and welcome to Fun Kids Bookworms Podcast. My name is Bex and I love books and I'm very happy you're here because I'm figuring that you might love books as well. On the way, I've got some great recommendations for you, but first, I tell you what, we're going to check in with Robin Scott Elliott. Now, he has written a brand new book called Sweet Skies, which I absolutely loved. It's set in Berlin just after the Second World War and it's all about the story of a boy who wants to become a pilot. I am joined right now by author Robin Scott Elliott. Hey, how are you doing? I'm very well, thanks, Bex. Thanks very much for having me. Not at all. I uh, love your book so much. It is incredible. Oh, that's really nice of you to say so. So the book is called Sweet Skies. I, I didn't know anything about it, didn't know what to expect. And honestly, it really tapped into, I mean, a lot of the things I absolutely love, including um, history and chocolate, to be honest. Um, so can you tell us a little bit about it and where we find your character Otto? Yes, yeah, so chocolate is a very important part of it. And I'll, I'll come <laughs> back to that. But so we need to get in a time machine and head back to 1948 and to Berlin. So we're just after the Second World War, and Berlin then was an absolutely flattened, ruined city. So I think it, seven out of every ten buildings were flattened. So if you go into your street and count ten houses, seven of them were gone. So this is an absolutely ruined city. And Otto lived in a cellar with his mum, and his big dream is becoming a pilot. And at this moment in time, the Russians had surrounded Berlin and cut off all the roads and railways. So the only way in and out of Berlin was by um, planes, so the American pilots were flying in all this, all this food, and Ottergum's obsessed with the pilots, and he wants to become a pilot, and his big plan, but he's a bit of a daydreamer, Otto, is he thinks he can persuade, he can make friends with a pilot, and persuade them to take him back to America, and then he can become a pilot. It's a bit bonkers, but this is the start mm-hmm. of a dangerous adventure for Otto, and he's going to get himself and his best friend, Carl and Ilse, into all sorts of trouble, because Berlin in 1948 is a really dangerous, um, really dangerous city. Yeah, it's not something I knew a lot about because obviously at school you're taught about the world wars, but not kind of what happened afterwards and certainly uh, not what happened in Berlin. So what was Berlin and Germany like at this point? Because you say there were Russians and Americans there. So the country was divided into two between the Russians on one side and then the British, the Americans and the French and Berlin was the same. So there are these sort of barriers all, all through the city. There was also... You know, there were very few shops and were, everything was still rations. There wasn't much food. What sort of caught my attention is these children who had grown up under the Nazis and they'd been to school under the Nazis because um, all the characters, Otto and Carla and Ilse, are 13 years old. So all their lives had been under the Nazis and now they're being told everything they were taught, all the evil stuff they were taught at school that they didn't know was wrong, they're now being told was wrong and they're having to sort of restart their lives again in this absolutely mm. ruined city. But I think... I think you see this with children throughout history that they are really good at just getting on with their lives and they still live their lives and look for adventure and fun wherever they can. They absolutely do adapt to it. And of course, it all kind of starts um, where we find them when um, the Americans come along because Otto is a bit obsessed with the American pilots. He's completely obsessed. So in the story, Otto's dad was a pilot, but the Americans are just something completely different. Because if also you think... Well, these kids, they've never had very much to eat, so most of them are sort of skinny. And Otto's actually, he's lost an eye during the war, and none of his friends has lost a leg. Um, and lots of them are lost parents. Um, and suddenly these pilots appear, so they must have looked like you know, aliens from another world. They, they look tall, and I make a point in the book, they've all got big, white, shiny teeth. Um, and they drop out of the sky, and they look really cool in their leather flying jackets and all that, and their sunglasses. So Otto's just obsessed by them, and he loves the idea of getting up in the sky and getting away from 
this kind of very grey, dusty world that he's stuck in. And of course, they then do, I mean, The Sweet Skies, uh, it comes very early in the book. The, the reason for the title is that they're, they're dropping uh, delicious presents for them. Yeah, so this is actually, this is a true story. So when, when the Americans arrived and started uh, flying um, all the food into the city, this pilot called Gail Halverson, he went for a walk around the perimeter of the airport, bumped into this group of kids, and he had he was really impressed with the way they tattered to him. And he had two pieces of Wrigley's spearmint gum in his pocket. So he gave them that, and they divided it up with equally. So he was so impressed by this, he said, right, tomorrow when I fly in, I'm going to drop little parachutes of chocolate to you. <laughs> and they were like, wow, because they never, most of them had never had chocolate before. And you know, can, you, can you imagine that? But they'd all heard okay. of chocolate. And they'd all heard of Hershey's, you know, the American chocolate. So the next day, he comes flying in, and they said to him, how will we know it's you? And he said, well, I'll, I'll waggle my wings as I come into land. So he became known as Uncle Wackleflugel. And he flew in, and he dropped his little parachutes, and these crowds of children started appearing at the end of runways. And chocolate was literally dropping out of the sky. I mean, that is literally my dream, to be honest. That's that's what I want in daily life anyway. Um, so did you do like a lot of research for this then? Because it seems pretty um, historical and pretty fact-based. I did lots of research about chocolate, which was great. <laughs> so at, um, <laughs> at the launch for the book, and I look at, if, if anyone ever gets the chance to go to a book launch, do, because you get lots of cake and sweets and things. But we had a, a chocolate tasting session. So the chocolate Amazing. that was used in this story was Hershey's which is American chocolate. So we got everyone to try British chocolate and American chocolate is really different. I think most people in this country like British chocolate better, actually. Yeah, I have to say, when they were getting Hershey's chocolate, I was thinking, no, get some Cadbury's in there, because Hershey's <laughs> I find a little bit sickly. But I know if you've never had chocolate before, look, you take what you can get, right? Absolutely. And, and imagine being a kid, and, and the Americans were associated with chocolate because they were all given chocolate, the American soldiers and pilots. They had chocolate in their ration packs. And actually, one American chocolate bar it's supposed to have as many calories as a, as a Big Mac. So they were wow. packed with, because obviously they were meant to keep soldiers awake and there was all sorts of weird stuff in it as well. Um, but they knew these Americans had chocolate, so they always pestered Americans for chocolate, chocolate, chocolate. And then it starts falling from the skies and you know, imagine what that would be like. It's incredible. Now, Otto, I really love the character of Otto because uh, he's so determined and so brave, um, despite obviously losing an eye and, and going through a lot of stuff. And his dad has come back from the war and is not quite the same. Was there anything in particular that you loved writing about Otto? Was there something that you just enjoyed about his character? I think he's a bit of a kind of like a bit of an artful dodger character that he, mm -hmm. he's kind of relentlessly optimistic despite everything that's going on around him. And I think that's one of the things you see with, you know, when you go into school to talk to children and stuff it is how enthusiastic people are for life and finding new adventures and as I said about how, how kids adapt to stuff and I think Otto he's always looking for the for the bright side of life despite what he's gone through and what he's going through with his you know his mum is he's lost his sister in the war his mum's really struggling to hold everything together they live in the cellar of their old house with this British family live in the main house because they're in charge now his friends are injured but they just they have this den in a, in a cellar in the city and they yeah they take risks and he just keeps bouncing back and and in the story he probably takes a risk too far yeah i don't want to ruin it for people i genuinely i love this book so much and the characters are great and also his friendship and the emotions he goes through with his family are brilliant um I can't recommend it enough. I love Sweets Guys so much. Um, before I let you go, Robin, we do a little thing of quick fire round of questions with every author, if it's okay to do that with you right now. Absolutely. Lovely. All right. So books or Kindles? I've never read a Kindle, so it have to be books. Fair enough. Good answer. Heroes or villains? Oh, villains. 
definitely. I, th I think I love reading good villains and I love writing good villains. Because actually, I think probably my favourite ever villain is Long John Silver in Treasure Island. And I think the oh, great yeah. thing about him and every good villain is they're not all bad. A, a really great villain has to have a tiny bit of a good side. Yeah, just a tiny bit of a good side to kind of keep them going. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, because they can't be all bad because they've got to be believable characters. The villain in Sweet Skies, who's a Russian officer, he has a good side as well. Yeah, your writing of the Russian officers was great. Um, film adaptation or TV adaptation? Film, I think, because I love going to the movies. Absolutely love going to the movies. My daughters are taking me to see um, Barbie this weekend, which I'm not entirely sure oh. about, but <laughs> I'll do as I'm told. Oh, you, you know, they are correct to tell you to do that. Go and see it, absolutely. Um, beginnings or endings? Beginnings. When I'm writing a story, the beginning is my favourite bit to write. And I often write the beginning um, before I've properly plotted the story because that just gets you in. You get an idea. Um, and there's nothing like the, the best part of a book, I think, is the beginning. And it just launches you into the story and then, and then you're away and you kind of don't come up till the end. That's great. Uh, sounds like you're kind of going deep sea diving. Um, yeah. <laughs> Hogwarts or Narnia? It has to be Narnia because I used to read that as a kid. It used to quite scare me, actually, Narnia. But I have to confess this. This is a really bad confession from the children's <laughs> right. I've never, I've never read a Harry Potter book. Haven't you? No, never read it. And, and my kids have read them all, but I've never really enjoyed kind of fantasy writing. And just, I will read one, I suppose, but I haven't yet. <laughs> Don't worry, no judgment. That's fine. Yeah. You know, there are other <laughs> books out there. That's okay. Yeah. Um, Hershey's or Cadbury's? Uh, Cadbury's Hershey's I, I agree with you Hershey's is too sweet I think they literally are too sweet because the Americans use more chocolate more um, sugar whereas British chocolate has more cocoa beans in it so more chocolate that's one of my boring chocolate facts I know now no it's a good fact and I totally agree with you um, laptop or write by hand laptop because my handwriting is appalling and um, <laughs> I can't read it myself so if I write something by hand it takes me ages to try and work out what I've written so probably better just being quick then Yes. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Paddington Bear or Winnie the Pooh? Oh, that's a tough one. I love the Paddington books and I love the movies, but I think I'd probably go for Winnie the Pooh. Because oh, I, really? again, okay. I, read that, I read that as a kid and I just love the whole, I love all the other characters around Winnie the Pooh. You know, Eeyore, I love Eeyore. Yeah. Um, and Kanga and Roo. And I like the whole sort of setting for the story. So I'd have to probably just go for Winnie the Pooh. Okay, that's fair enough. And finally, the big one is salt and vinegar or cheese and onion? That's easy, salt and vinegar. Yes, correct. Is that the right answer? Yes, that is the right answer, honestly. The others, I don't mind what on earth you say, but that one's the big one. That's the one I judge you on. And salt and vinegar is indeed the correct answer, so well done. <laughs> um, well, Robin, thank you so much for telling us all about Sweet Skies. I genuinely really did love the book. And um, it's out right now, so everybody can grab it from wherever they get their books from, right? Yes, it should be in all Waterstones and other bookshops and online and everywhere, yeah. Thank you so much for telling us all about it. Thanks very much for having me. And you know what? I loved Robin Scott Elliott's book so much that I've given Sweet Skies the big title of the Fun Kids Book of the Month for August. There we go. And now next up, it's time to check in with Simon Packham. He wants to share an introduction and a little reading of his amazing new book, Worrybot. It's a book all about a troubled boy who befriends a robot. And it's all about anxiety, school life, and also all of the things robots have to deal with too. Hello. I'm Simon Packham, and I'm going to tell you a little bit about my new book, Worrybot. 11-year-old Josh has had some problems with anxiety. It all started in year five when he was picked on by a girl in his class called Lottie. 
But Lottie left suddenly in the middle of term, and with the help of some strategies from a counsellor, Josh is a lot, lot better. One of the strategies that really helped was a homemade cardboard robot, or worrybot, that was supposed to eat up his worst fears if he wrote them down and posted them in its mouth. But Josh still finds change difficult. So when his mum tells him they're moving to Brighton and he's got to start at a new school, he's terrified that his anxiety is going to come back. At first he finds it hard to settle in, but when his teacher suggests he buddy up with Charlie, things start to get better. But Charlie is no ordinary year six. Charlie is a learning robot, or rather, Charlie's another class member who's sitting at home controlling their robot on an iPad. But the question is, will the friendship help Josh settle in and overcome his fears, or will being best friends with a robot just give a boy called Noah another reason to make fun of him? And who exactly is his new robot friend anyway? And why can't Charlie come to school? I'd never heard of learning robots until I got talking to a teacher friend of mine who had a child in his class who was using one because their immune system was suppressed and they couldn't risk being in the classroom. It seemed like something I could use in a book, but I wasn't really sure how. So uh, I did a bit of research and I found out that as well as being used by children with immunosuppressants, learning robots were also a good way of getting children who were emotionally based school avoiders, or school refusers as they're sometimes known, back into the classroom. That gave me the personal connection I needed. When I was about 12 and being bullied at school, I spent a whole term feigning illness to avoid school. Josh's anxiety was also something I really wanted to write about. Our daughter experienced anxiety throughout her time at school, and it was only later that she learned that several of her friends were suffering too. So Worrybot is probably one of the most personal books I've ever written. But even though it contains some serious themes, I hope it's entertaining too. There's, there's a mystery to solve, some funny bits, and even a character called the Toilet Monster, aka Josh's dad, who's kind of based on my own experience of being a, a struggling actor. So anyway, I'm going to finish now with a short reading. This is the bit where Charlie the robot first speaks to Josh, because up to that point the robot hasn't spoken at all, has just sat there in class with a blue light, which means I don't want to speak. So anyway, here's Josh. I stumble across to my place, rest my head on the table and close my eyes. But I'm only there for a few seconds when a voice I don't recognise whispers, Hello, Josh. And I practically jump out of my skin. Who's there? Where are you? I scan the empty classroom, hoping that someone hasn't followed me back from the playground. What do you want? The voice is so soft I have to strain to hear it. I just want to make sure you're okay. Then I realise who it is. The light on his head has changed from blue to white, and I think those are his normal eyes. But there's no doubt about one thing. I know exactly who's talking to me. It's the robot. Why are you asking, anyway? I say, feeling a bit weird about talking to a shiny white thing with a speaker in its stomach. Have you been watching me? The robot turns to face me and fixes me with his normal yellow eyes. You seem a bit unhappy, that's all. What's the matter, Josh? 
How do you know my name? Miss Wright told the whole class, remember? Oh, yeah. I'm not very good at talking to strangers, especially especially robotic ones. Maybe that's why I'm so lost for words. My name's Charlie, he says, his neck tilting slowly upwards. Yes, I know. Miss Wright told me, remember? Charlie's voice isn't much louder than a whisper, but I'm pretty sure I detect a faint laugh. Mind if I ask you something? I say, already feeling better than five minutes ago. Depends on what it is. Ruby says you haven't said a word since Christmas. So why are you talking to me? Well, because... Because I still remember what it's like to be the new kid, says Charlie, and I think I might be able to help. A wave of anger floods over me. You know that things are going badly when a robot feels sorry for you. Hey, big thank you to Simon Packham for that. And before I let you go, uh, a little new release to tell you about. It's Finding Wonder by Lauren St. John. It's in early September this is going to come out, so keep an eye out for it. And it tells the story of a fiery show jumper named Wonder Boy. The book is based on the author Lauren's experience of uh, being gifted a foal, can you imagine? And seeing the foal born in a storm and then almost dying, but then living for the next 22 years. So basically, Lauren's love of horses has pretty much inspired this book. And if you love horses too, I think this is going to be the one for you. That's Finding Wonder. That's pretty much it from me today in the Bookworms podcast. Remember, if you've enjoyed this podcast, like, follow, subscribe, comment wherever it is you're listening. And of course, tell me what you're up to as well. Go to funkidslive.com and tell me what books are brilliant for you at the moment. I'll see you soon. Bye.